I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. To our new listeners, welcome. To our old listeners, welcome back. Another episode of Magical Education awaits you. But first, we would like to say a few words. Nitwit, blubber, oddment, tweak. Podcast 9 and 3 quarters topic of the week is sink or float, drowry. listeners, I'm Rhea, and this week I'm arguing to keep Drowry afloat. And I'm Jem, and this week I'll be arguing to sink Drowry. We are continuing our sink or float series. In these episodes, we look at popular ships in the Harry Potter fandom and argue about whether they should sink or keep floating. Mm -hmm. If you haven't listened to it already, we recommend checking out our first episode where we talk about Wolfstar. Mm -hmm. And before we get into this, I just want to reiterate our position from that episode which is that this little mini-series is just supposed to be fun. We're not trying to trash anyone's ship or start a ship war. Both of us are very much of the belief that canon doesn't matter in fandom. Everyone can ship whatever they want. All ships are fine and no ship is more valid or real than any other. Do what you want. This is mainly just a, a way that we can look at both sides of the argument when it comes to pairings in Harry Potter. I honestly couldn't care less if you ship Jari or if you don't ship Jari. It's up to you. Yeah, it's your choice. Yeah. We just like to talk about it. For this episode, we put out a little Twitter poll and asked what pairing you guys would like to hear about. And we got a bit of a tie between Drowry and Scorpy Bus, which is Scorpius and Albus. <laughs> when we last looked at it before we started researching, it was Drowry in the lead. So that's why we chose this one for today. But we may do Scorpy Bus in the future. So we'll keep that on our minds. We'll probably do another poll next time we're doing another episode and we'll see what, which yeah. comes out ahead. Hopefully Scorbus. I like talking yeah. about them. Or Scorpibus, however you say it. Yeah, I say it like that. I don't know. People say it differently. Okay. Uh, last time we did this episode, I started with, are they gay? And then we started talking about the relationship. Do you want to do that again? That was my first question, because as a sinker, this is my um, first statement. Are they gay, Rhea? Prove to me they're gay. <laughs> well, <laughs> I'm doing the thing I did last time again. So there's this thing called subtext. Yep. So as we know, we can't have gays in the text. They have to be invisible and everything that's cool and queer in stories has to be hidden in the subtext. So keep that in mind when you're doing a queer reading of Harry Potter. Because we must protect the children from the gays, apparently. <laughs> Won't somebody please think of the children? <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so I'm going to start with Harry because, oh boy, he is so bisexual. Are you sure? <laughs> I'm a bit sure. Oh, another quick thing that I wanted to point out. I was re-listening to our Wolfstar episode earlier today in preparation for this. Mm -hmm. And one thing I noticed is that we keep constantly saying gay and not something like bi or queer or any of those other sort of labels and identities. identities. Yeah. Yeah. I really should be saying queer instead of gay, but there's sort of, you know, there's some debate about the use of that term. Mm. So just know that when I say gay, 
I'm using it as an umbrella term to mean like a myriad of different yeah. uh, identities. Gay means not straight. Yeah. I just mean not straight. Yeah. I'm not saying that like Harry isn't bi or Lupin isn't bi or anything like that. I'm just, yeah. for brevity, I'm just saying gay instead of, you know, LGBTQIA+. plus. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. that's going to take too much time. I'm glad that you used all the letters in that. <laughs> yeah, I know the letters. Yeah, good. Um, a lot of people don't, which is it's good that you know. Um, so yeah, so uh, sorry before I interrupted myself. Yes, Harry is bisexual. Okay, <laughs> making a grand statement here. <laughs> I am. I'm just come at me. It's true. Meet me in the rink, JK. <laughs> Every time Harry looks at another male character, he's thinking about how attractive they are. Like, that's just text. He's always like, oh, Sirius is so handsome. Oliver Wood's so handsome. Bill Weasley's so handsome. Cedric, Tom Riddle, everyone, all of the time. (laughs) Okay, those aren't all the male characters in the series. There are other male characters that he interacts with quite often, like Ronald Weasley, Seamus Finnegan, Dean Thomas, Neville Longbottom. Are you trying to say that, like, to be gay, you have to be attracted to literally every single person. <laughs> is that what you're arguing? <laughs> I'm just saying. I'm just arguing against your statement, which you said every time Harry looks at a male character, Sorry. he comments on their attractiveness. Sorry, I should be more clear. That was a hyperbole. I was exaggerating for effect. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I'm just. I'm going at anything I can get. <laughs> because you know you're on losing ground. <laughs> I know I'm on thin fucking ice in this debate. Yeah, this is like me in the Snape episode when I was just arguing against anything you said and not being rational. Yep, get ready for that, listeners. But this time for me. <laughs> I like it when it's you who has to be the irrational one. Because <laughs> I somehow end up sounding rational. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're really good at it. It's a nightmare. <laughs> anyway, stop distracting me. Yeah, keep going. So I haven't done this myself, but I was just like doing some research. And apparently someone went through the entire series and counted up all the times that Harry described another person as, like, handsome or beautiful or some equivalent. Mm -hmm. And he described male characters as as attractive almost twice as much as female characters. Okay. It's a counter to that. I generally think, for the most part, that women I interact with every day are more attractive than men I see on the red. (laughs) Does that make me gay, Rhea? (laughs) A little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm not, so... (laughs) Honestly, Jem, I can't explain that. (laughs) I think it's just because women are gorgeous, so that's why you think that. Mm, It's very true. Mm. So maybe, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that maybe Harry James Potter has bisexual leanings because he often Mm. sees men as attractive. Yeah. What about Draco Malfoy? No, I'm not going to get to Draco yet. I've got two more things to say about Harry. I have a bunch more things, but I'll just skip to my best points. So, in terms of subtext, Harry spent his entire childhood in the closet, literally. Okay, he did not spend his entire childhood in the closet. He spent his childhood in the cupboard under the stairs. And that's not a metaphor for queerness. Yep, you heard it here first, folks. In the closet. That's what it says in the book. I don't know what Jem's talking about, this cupboard under the stairs nonsense. No, no, he was in a closet. That's not a whole metaphor for... Harry being gay or bisexual. That is a metaphor. No, not, not a metaphor even. It is a literal reading of the Dursleys being shitty, abusive assholes who don't give a shit about their nephew. Yeah. I'll let that go. I'm just being stupid. I know that's not real evidence. Try this one on. I'm interested to see how you react to this. 
All right. In the entire Harry Potter series, there is one canon reference to homosexuality. That is in fifth book at the beginning when Dudley asks Harry if Cedric is his boyfriend. Yeah. So in a way, we have more evidence for Harry being queer than we do for Dumbledore. <laughs> what do you think of that? That's not evidence in terms. That's not evidence comparable. <laughs> Dumbledore is not gay in the series because it's never mentioned. We've already talked about this before. Yeah. Although we know he is gay, it doesn't. It's does not real because it's not the series. Yeah, doesn't count. That is not an evidence pitting Harry against Dumbledore and saying that Harry is more gay canonically than Dumbledore is. Because <laughs> that instance, to put it into context, Dudley isn't asking <laughs> Harry politely like, "Oh, how is your boyfriend?" No, Dudley is mocking Harry and trying to get a rise out of Harry. Mm. Don't don't use that word against me. <laughs> Dudley is trying to antagonize Harry and make him angry. And he's using it in a shitty homophobic bullying way. Yeah. By suggesting that, oh, even the mere presence of, or the mere suggestion that someone is not straight is so offensive and so over the top that they'll just lose their minds. Yeah. Yeah. I am definitely aware of what Dudley's doing in that scene. I didn't think that Dudley was like, oh yeah, my cousin's gay. That's the way it is. (laughs) Everything's fine. Yeah, exactly. I'm more drawing attention to JK and what she has chosen to do. Which is make one reference to a gay character and it's a homophobic insult directed at Harry. Interesting. Mm, interesting. This is more just a call out <laughs> than it is actual evidence. <laughs> okay, so as for Draco being queer, I don't have much evidence for other than just his general canonical lack of interest in dating. Like in terms of his romantic partners, we have Astoria, who we know nothing about. Hmm. Fresh my memory because I haven't read Cursed Child and I don't consider it canon. In that story, doesn't Astoria, like, isn't she just killed off and then Draco spends the entire play with Harry? Okay, what happens is Astoria is alive for the first few years of Albus and Scorpius' times at Hogwarts. Then she dies of an illness and Draco is grief-stricken and mourning about it for basically the rest of his life. So he loved her very much. Oh, that's sad. Well, sad that she died, not sad that he loved her. <laughs> oh my gosh. There's like a little scene where uh, where Draco's talking to his son about his mother and how she like changed his life, basically, Aww. and um, made him more compassionate and better. So Okay, yeah. cool. Well, that doesn't support my argument. So yeah, I'm going back to my previous statement of Cursed Child isn't canon. <laughs> I also agree that Cursed Child isn't canon, but that is not going to stop me from unscrupulously using it as evidence okay. against you. And Draco Malfoy was in love with Astoria Greengrass in The Cursed Child. Oh, that's fine. I'll <laughs> so, leave that alone. Bite my ass. That's straight. <laughs> <laughs> yep, straight as an arrow. Okay, so, um, yeah, Draco takes Pansy Parkinson to the Yule Ball, which isn't necessarily romantic, as Ron and Harry's dates show. Um, and then in the sixth book, he's shown lying down with his head in her lap. And that could be read as romantic, but I don't know. He doesn't seem very affectionate towards her. I really felt it was more like, you know, when a cat is asking for attention. I mean... <laughs> That's what it seemed like to me. I will give you that, because obviously it's hinted at throughout the series that Pansy and Draco have a bit of a dating thing going on from fourth year to sixth year. Yeah. But whenever we do see them together, Draco does not seem very interested in being affectionate towards her. That, however, does not mean that he is not attracted to her. Mm-hmm. Some people are very affectionate in their relationships. Yeah. Some people aren't. And that's no way to judge whether they're gay or straight or whatever. That's true. And I suppose if you had to pick 
like any one house as being the ones who are not like really open towards public displays of affection, the traditional pure blood house seems like the one you'd go to. Yeah. Think of the context of those two scenarios. So we see Draco going to the Yule Ball with Pansy. Draco was brought up in a very elitist, pure blood family, which which very image conscious, probably has had balls in the past. Mm-hmm. He's probably been raised with the idea where it's like going to a ball, you are to be a proper gentleman. You're not supposed to be snogging your girlfriend in public. Yeah. You're supposed to be leading her calmly to the dance floor and dancing quite sternly and all this sort of bullshit. <laughs> Stern dance. Stern dancing. <laughs> Uh, like a debutante, basically. <laughs> and then the other scenario that we see him in yeah. is when he's in the, the carriage, um, the train carriage, and he's lying on Pansy's lap. And Harry is hovering above him, invisible, <laughs> and watching. Yeah, intently. You could make the argument that he's in a private space, so he shouldn't be so self-conscious about those sorts of things. But if you remember, sixth year is a very trying time for Draco. He's got everything else on his mind rather than love and romance right now. So, like, yeah. he's not exactly... He's got a lot happening. Yeah, he's not exactly feeling very affectionate right now. Okay, so I'll get into more detail about this later, but I really think that absolutely everything that we know about Draco leads to the conclusion that his strongest, most meaningful relationship outside of his parents is his obsession with Harry. <sighs> like, even if you don't think he's attracted to men or to any gender... It's very clear that his life revolves around Harry, especially when he's younger. It just does. Maybe that's how it's written, because the book is from Harry's perspective. So if you're reading the book from Harry's perspective, everyone's life seems to revolve around Harry. You only see Draco and hear about Draco in reference to what he's doing with Harry. So of course it seems like Draco's most meaningful part of his life is Harry and his obsession with Harry, but it's not so. We don't see Draco 90% of the rest of the time when he's in his dorm or doing his studies or hanging out with Crabbe and Goyle or blazer beanie so we can't make that assumption uh i disagree (laughs) let's do a fun little exercise name three things that draco does prior to book six because in book six he's got Mm -hmm. stuff going on so books one to five name three things that draco does which has nothing at all to do with harry potter i guarantee you i can do that for any other character in the series with draco it's a struggle i mean he bullies other people besides harry so bullying is a hobby for draco when he bullies neville relentlessly um in the first book yeah yeah exactly so come at me other things draco does he likes quidditch he doesn't make the team in first year but he does make the team in second year but in first year he's always bragging about how he's such a good quidditch player and and he's gonna be a fucking seeker and all this sort of stuff and he already has his own broom and things like that but when he gets onto the team in second year that's about harry like he does that because of harry are you sure it's just because of Harry or it's also because he felt like yes. he deserved to be on the Quidditch team because he's a really good flyer in his own opinion? No, no. It is explicitly about Harry. Do you remember the scene when Harry gets lost in the flu network and he ends up in Borgen and Burks? Yeah. Yeah. So Lucius and Draco walk in and Draco's like, blah, blah, blah. Harry Potter's so perfect and he's got a broom and blah, blah, blah. And he's on the Quidditch team and that's so unfair, and he shouldn't be on the Quidditch team. And Lucy's like, you have told me this a dozen times already. Stop it. Yes. It's very easy to see that the reason why Lucius Malfoy bought all those Nimbus 2001s and got his son onto the team is because Draco would not shut up about Harry. <laughs> so that's the only reason why that happened. Like, maybe Draco could have applied for the team and gotten in under his own merits, but he didn't do that because he was too obsessed with Harry. He couldn't. All right, let me think of some other things. Some things Draco does that don't involve Harry. Oh, he goes to bully 
uh, Hermione and Ron in Hogsmeade in third year. And then Harry shows up. Yeah, and Hermione and Ron. I wonder. <laughs> okay. He yeah. already hates Hermione the Weasleys. Ron. Harry Potter's other half. He already hates the Weasleys, though, <laughs> and he targets Ron in a different way to what he targets Harry. Like, do, are you saying that he only goes after Ron if Harry's around Ron? No. He went after Ron in the first book before Harry had even aligned himself with Ron or, like, made him made Ron his best friend, he basically told Ron to fuck off. You're nothing but stupid Weasley. <laughs> you can quote me on that. <laughs> Definitely the real quote from the book. That was not before Harry had aligned himself with Ron. That was when Draco walked into the train carriage with Harry and Ron, said to Harry, hey, do you want to be my friend? And Harry said, no, I'm already friends with Ron. And that's when the fight broke out. And that's when the animosity began. It was because of Harry. While he does obviously dislike Ron and Hermione, the reason why he targets them is because he knows it's going to get a rise out of Harry. It's all about him. Uh, Draco makes good friends with Victor Crumb. And that is not just about Harry. That is because Draco wants the power and the eliteness of being friends with the famous Quidditch player. And also someone who goes to Durmstrang, which is a school he has an interest in, even though his mother wants him to go to Hogwarts. Okay. I'll give you that one. While I disagree with the idea that they've become friends, I'll give you that Draco wanted to be his friend. Yeah, he tries yeah. to become friends with Victor Crumb, yeah. You've only said two so far. Oh, you're only giving me two. Okay, let's go for a third thing. Yeah, no, the Quidditch one doesn't count. I argued against that. Fine. All right, um, let me think a second here. Uh, so far, you've got bullying Neville in first year, especially. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And trying to befriend Victor Crumb. Yeah, okay. Uh, fifth year. Fifth year, he joins the uh, Inquisitorial Squad. Okay, which gives him the power to take away house points. And the first thing he does is approach Harry and his group of friends, and he's like, "Hey, guess what? I'm in the Inquisitorial Squad. Fuck you! Five points from Gryffindor." <laughs> uh, well, it's not just about that. He <laughs> joined the Inquisitorial Squad to take away house points. From all kinds of Gryffindors, not just Harry, to basically put Slytherin ahead yeah. in the game. So Gryffindors have plus Ravenclaws, he doesn't give a fuck, as long as he's taking house points from them. Also, to get on Umbridge's good side so that he would be praised and get a position of power in the school. Yeah. That wasn't just about Harry. Yeah, he, he has other motivations, but I do think Harry is the driving force behind that decision. No, 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 no. You're, are you telling me that if Draco Malfoy was going to Hogwarts, and let's say Harry was not at Hogwarts at all, he never heard of Harry, and an opportunity like that came up where he could join an inquisitorial squad, take house points from other houses, and be in a position of power and be in favour by one of the teachers, that he wouldn't jump at that opportunity? No, that's true. I'll give you that. He would. So there you go. Three fucking things. <laughs> <laughs> that's fine. Just think about how much of a struggle that was for you. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. While you were able to think of three things, <laughs> I think the fact that it was such a struggle for you... It wasn't that much. Uh, it was. <laughs> you suggested a couple of things which you were like, yeah, this is all about Draco, and I was immediately like, no, it's not. <laughs> it's about Harry. Okay, whatever. I think Draco, if not, like, straight up he's in love with Harry, I think you can definitely argue that he is obsessed with Harry. Like, from the moment that Harry rejects his friendship on the Hogwarts Express until his life turns to shit in sixth year, everything he does is about that boy. Like, all the bullying, pranks, picking on Harry's friends, mm. it all just seems like it's it's about Harry. Even um, Tom Felton, who played Draco in the movies, 
has said that Draco acts like a little brat pulling a girl's pigtails because he likes her and he doesn't know how to express it in a healthy way. Tom's so great. He's such a drary shipper. <laughs> Love Tom Felton. I will say that Draco has a very earnest and keen, not I wouldn't say obsession, but he is very much into antagonizing and focusing on Harry because Harry is everything that he's not. Yeah. So, of course he would be pissed off by the mere existence of Harry. Yeah, I don't think that's an argument against me. I think that supports it, if anything else. No, he's, I'm saying he's pissed off at Harry. He hates him. Yeah. And that's coming to my second point. Are they attracted to one another? No. They hate each other. Uh, <laughs> Draco hates Harry vehemently. Harry hates Draco. Harry compares Draco to Dudley. <laughs> when he first yeah. meets him, he starts to get a very Dudley-ish vibe. From Draco Malfoy. Dudley is like so far Harry's biggest antagonist in life, besides Lord Voldemort, who at that point he doesn't really remember or know about yet. Yeah. So <laughs> that's a big deal. <laughs> Absolutely. Throughout the years of Hogwarts, Draco proves himself to be an elitist, bullying, cruel brat that Harry cannot stand. Mm-hmm. Harry proves himself to be a golden boy who gets away with everything and is so perfect and everyone loves him and admires him, which Draco cannot stand because Draco can see that Harry's nothing special. <laughs> Disagree with that statement. With the Harry not being special, not with your general argument. <laughs> In Draco's perspective, Harry's nothing special. Okay. Hmm. That's a really good point. So, first of all, easiest way to rebut that is just to say, you know, there's a thin line between love and hate. Do not give me that fucking line. There's a thin line between love and hate. No, 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 no. Oh, no. All of those really intense emotions. <laughs> no, that's straight nonsense. Yes, it's true. <laughs> I will argue that the thin line between love and hate bullshit is straight nonsense oh. and it's used to dismiss women's anger at men for being shitty to them. I will take that fucking side. That is so true. I like that we brought back straight people nonsense <laughs> for this episode. It's going to come up in every single flow. <laughs> Uh, you've appealed to my feminist side and now I can't I can't argue against that without being like, I'm a traitor to my gender. I think what you're trying to say is maybe opposites attract, that people can be angry and hate on each other, but they still have an underlying feeling towards each other. I, I disagree with that too, because opposites don't attract. People can be in a relationship if they like different things and do different things, but inherently they need to have very similar core values. So they can... You can have a very sporty athletic person who's going out with an introverted nerd, but they need to have the same values at their core. They need to both believe in the same sorts of things and have the same sort of moral system. Otherwise, it will not be a functional working relationship and that opposite attracts nonsense won't work with them. Okay, so have a rebuttal against this. This this was going to be my closing statement, so my argument (laughs) might just peter out later in the episode. (laughs) But I think this fits here. Okay, so bear with me, because this is going to be a bit Mm long-winded. One of the plot lines that I felt was really underdeveloped in canon was the idea of the inter-house unity at Hogwarts. Yeah. So the Sorting Hat keeps talking about how the only way to defeat the evils that threaten Hogwarts, Voldemort, is to unite the four houses. And I thought that's where the series was heading. I thought, like, in the seventh book, Harry, Ron, and Hermione would realise they can't track down the Horcruxes on their own. And uh, students from all four houses would end up having to work together to take down Voldemort. Mm-hmm. And, you know, while there's elements of that in the story, I was, like, really disappointed with even just the fact that all the Slytherins were sent away before the Battle of Hogwarts. It was devastating. Mm-hmm. So 
one of the things that really draws me towards Drari is the potential for that storyline to play out. I'm aware that it doesn't in canon, mm-hmm. but I just like the idea of playing with it, especially in fandom. Okay. I think it's interesting that uh, Harry and Draco are the epitome of the two houses that have been opposed to each other since, you know, Godric and Salazar had a punch up back in the day. So to take these two characters who have come from such different backgrounds and who have all these opposing attitudes and who have both done awful, awful things to each other. If you can find a way for them to work through all of that, let go of their messed up past and forgive each other and unite and try to create a better future, that's a powerful story in terms of their interaction and it's a powerful story in terms of how it works as a metaphor for the greater wizarding world. I completely agree with that. However, I don't see why you can't have all that and not have it as a platonic relationship between Draco and Harry. You can still have it as the whole house unity, coming together, overcoming differences, overcoming a troubled past, having these foils to each other, recognizing each other's differences and deciding to work together and face a greater evil. But you don't need to have romance in that equation. You can just have a Zuko and Aang relationship as like an almost brotherly friendship relationship. Oh, I ship Zuko and Aang so much. I know you do. <laughs> Sorry, you just distracted me by throwing one of my other OTPs in front of my eyes. I'm like a bull with a flag. And out of episode, I also do ship them too. But <laughs> in this argument, I'm arguing that, as the canon suggests, you can just have a friendship. Look, you're definitely right. That's true. And, like, honestly, if there was some great story about, like, Harry and Draco bro TP forever, friends for life, <laughs> uniting, and somehow that leads to Voldemort being defeated. Like, fuck yeah, I'd read the crap out of that story. Even if it was just as simple as Draco leads Harry to the diadem, because Draco becomes accustomed with the room of requirement throughout his sixth year, and so he leads Harry to the diadem and gives it over to him. That would have been a very great gesture for the whole uniting Slytherin into the cause against Voldemort thing. Yeah, absolutely. And like, this isn't the focus of this episode, but like in terms of, you know, all Slytherins are evil, the houses need to unite. We have some stuff with, we have Narcissa and we have Regulus and Regulus. Regulus. Mm. Yeah. So there's some elements of that. We'll do a whole episode on that at this point. We're talking about Jurari at the moment. Yeah. Yeah. But in terms of why can't it just be a friendship thing? Yeah. Why can't it just be a friendship, Rhea? Okay. It's kind of hard to explain what I'm thinking. So when I was talking about the Sorting Hat, I think it's not just about, like, uniting people from different houses, like, physically uniting them, as in, like, they're all standing on the same side of the room fighting the same fight. It's about uniting their beliefs and politics and identities. Mm -hmm. Because, like, the idea in the books of, you know, we have one house where the good kids go and grow up to become heroes, and one house where the bad kids go and become villains it's so toxic and it creates this terrible atmosphere with an entrenched institutionalized cycle of hate, Mm -hmm. which is how you get Grindelwald Mm -hmm. and Voldemort and whatever comes after him. Mm -hmm. So when I'm talking about like uniting Harry and Draco and not just Harry and Draco, like a bunch of other ships as well, why I think it works as a romantic relationship is because if you bring them together and make them be a couple, then they have to create a life together as a unit. Like they actually become sort of like a single thing and then they have their children and then their children aren't on one side of this conflict or another. They have to, like you're literally taking the broken parts of the world and mending them back together through a relationship. Okay. So it's like, you know, it's how do you end hate? Like with with love. 
That's what the story is all about. Right. Love wins. Uh, gay love wins the best because <laughs> gay people win at life. Okay. Well, you can have love that is platonic. <laughs> like, there are many types of love. Yeah. Yeah. I'm really pushing the children angle. Yeah, I understand what you're saying about, oh, so you're going with the JK version where everyone needs 2.5 kids I in a know. marriage to be happy, aren't you? <laughs> I know, it's awful. <laughs> That's kind of where my argument's leading, but I don't want it to go that way. <laughs> Too bad. <sighs> I know. I'm trying not to do the, like, Jerry should get married and have a white picket fence and 2.5 children. Ugh. You open this can of worms, now you've got to lie in it. Ugh, I don't want to lie down in worms. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but I guess that's where my arguments led me. I have to be like, the only way to fix Hogwarts is for Draco and Harry to have many children. Yeah, that's very strange. I guess that's the corner I've backed myself into. <laughs> Fuck. What I would have done if I was in your scenario is why don't Harry and Draco become friends yeah. and then when they leave Hogwarts, they go back to Hogwarts as professors and Harry is head of Gryffindor House and Draco is head of Slytherin House and they both raise the children of the next generation to be better or something like that. That's so awesome. And then also they're having an affair. <laughs> oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Come on. You knew I had to do that. Like, tell me you don't want to read that story of the sexy professors <laughs> who are righting the wrongs of the past and also have an illicit love. <laughs> Why is it illicit if, like, the war's over? You're arguing for a, a star-crossed lovers thing. You're arguing for a Romeo and Juliet thing, right? That's what you're saying. Yeah, I am. But without the death. Well, <laughs> that trope is very connotative with death. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I can see the value of that, but why... I'm just saying that I do not see that it necessarily has to be a romantic or sexual relationship yeah. in order to have that same message come across just as strong. Yeah, that's true. You're right. It doesn't have to be. I'm just choosing to interpret it that way because mm. I find that interesting. Okay, but this still comes back to my my question before. Yeah. Are they actually attracted to each other? From what we know about Harry and Draco from seven books and eight movies, are they attracted to one another? Give me some evidence to show that they are. Look, this is going to be a blow to my argument. <laughs> but I think... In canon, no. There's not evidence that they are romantically or physically attracted to each other. Thank you. But but I think that's okay. In the Wolf Star episode, I was really pushing for Lupin and Sirius to have been involved in a romantic relationship in the background of the canon story. Like, they were together, yeah. it was healthy and loving and healing and stuff like that. Yeah. With Jari, I don't give a fuck. Like... <laughs> Whatever, give me angst, pain, abuse, fucked up tragedy. Like, Ugh. I'm not even convinced that a relationship between Harry and Draco could be healthy. Jesus. And I don't think they were in a romantic relationship during the books. I'm more interested in exploring the potential for them to be in a relationship. Like, how that would happen, what it would be like, how it would affect the larger context of the story in the world. They just have this really complicated relationship with their lives intertwined in all these different ways. It's so interesting to me. And also, like, I like to think they hooked up post-series and then lived happily ever after. I'm going to counter your argument with one of mine, which is they would not be a good couple if they were together. Just like you just said, that in your version, if Draco and Harry were together, you're not sure what would happen, but you're willing to take it on anyway. I don't think that's a good thing. I don't see that Harry and Draco would make a good couple. Draco is too cowardly for Harry. <laughs> Harry is all about bravery and doing what is right always. 
whereas Draco is very self-serving. Yeah. Those values are too conflicting. Sometimes they can co-align, but not all the time, and that would be a very sore thorn on the side of Harry and of Draco. Yeah. Draco is elitist and a prick. Nothing more to say. Harry is very stubborn when he has a conviction about something, and this could drive anyone mad, especially a Slytherin, who is very morally grey about things and willing to bend the rules and, and go outside of what is considered right and proper at times. And so when Harry is convinced that this is the only way that we can do something and it has to be done now, that is infuriating to have to deal with on a constant basis. Yeah, look, Draco is inarguably like a bad person. That's, that's just the way it is. Yeah, like I said, the two characters, I guess, as they are written on the page, I don't think the Battle of Hogwarts ends and, you know, they run to each other across the Great Hall and hug and kiss and it's fine. I, that's not, I don't think that's realistic. Whereas, like, with Lupin and Sirius... Maybe. <laughs> I mean, that's what happens in the, the cut scene of the Yes, <laughs> oh, that deleted scene when Draco runs to him and throws him his wand right in front of Voldemort. Fuck, I love that scene. That it was pretty good. Oh, I wish that had been in the movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, I guess that's part of my point. Like, you're talking about, you know, Draco so cowardly and self-serving and blah, blah, blah. You're definitely, like, that's correct. But I don't think it's doing full justice to what he goes through and how he grows up, especially Mm -hmm. in the last two books. Mm -hmm. Especially in the last book. Mm -hmm. I don't think he's perfect and I don't think he's a good person, but I think that there's enough potential in him. Like, there's enough goodness that he could grow into the sort of person that Harry could be in a relationship with. Can I focus on a couple of moments? Moments that I don't think redeem him totally, but I think show the potential for redemption for him. Yeah, show me some receipts, because right now you're just telling me, like, opening statements and not giving me evidence. (laughs) That's true. I do have a lot of opening statements in this argument. (laughs) I've got a lot of, like, here's my thesis on the sorting hat. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, so in terms of just pure subtext and like things that happen between them i could go through every interaction in the (laughs) book series and that would be great Mm -hmm. and this episode would be nine hours long (laughs) but in terms of like just moments that really show i think the potential of what drary could grow into which is what i love about their relationship Mm -hmm. i'm gonna focus on the moment when draco lied and said that he didn't recognize harriet malfoy manor okay why would he do that if he hates harry as much as he pretends to Like, he's so scared. He wants his family to be safe. As you've said, he's a coward. He's self-serving. His best option at that moment is to call Voldemort right then and there. But he doesn't. Because he knows that's the wrong thing to do. Because I believe he cares about Harry in some way. At the very least, he doesn't want him to be violently eviscerated by Voldemort. Mm. Yeah, just because of his big gay feelings is, I think, why he doesn't call Voldemort. Can I counter? Yeah. Okay. Why doesn't Draco turn Harry in at Malfoy Manor? Like you mentioned, he's terrified. Maybe he sees Harry for a moment and maybe doesn't completely recognize him and he doesn't want to call Voldemort to the house just in case it isn't actually Harry and everyone is killed. However, I will concede that undeniably Draco recognizes that that is Harry. So I will give you maybe like the second glance that he gives him. He's like, okay, that he realizes it's Harry. So why doesn't he turn him over? Yeah. Because Draco knows the only one who can defeat Voldemort is Harry. He knows this. Even if he doesn't know the prophecy and he hasn't been listening to Potterwatch or anything like that, he knows because of all of his, all of his experience at Hogwarts, Harry always defeats Voldemort. So 
He knows that the only chance that he has of living a life without Voldemort in it, and a life without his family being terrorized by being Death Eaters that are in Voldemort's close circle, is Harry Potter. So he has to keep that boy alive. And that's why he doesn't turn him in. It is infuriating to me that you're making this argument. (laughs) Because that's my fucking argument (laughs) from the Snape episode. You stole that from me. (laughs) <laughs> and when I said that, you're like, that's bullshit. Draco doesn't have enough brain power to think that far ahead. <laughs> and now you're throwing it back in my face. I have no memory of that. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> you liar. I can hear the lies in your voice. <laughs> nah, fuck you. <laughs> I'm too angry to think. <laughs> fuck you. I'm moving on. Okay. <laughs> no comment. <laughs> okay. When Harry confronts Draco in the Room of Requirement, (laughs) it's a life or death situation. Like, there's literally a battle raging outside. Mm -hmm. And what does Harry do when he's confronted by a Death Eater and his two minions? He takes the time to tell Draco that he knows he's got good inside of him. Harry's like, I know you recognize me at the manor. Like, that's indisputable. Draco recognized Harry. Even if Harry's face was all messed up, like, he mm-hmm. was there with Ron and Hermione. Yep. Draco fucking knows what Harry looks like. Mm-hmm. So I know you recognize me at the manor. You didn't yep. turn me in yep. then, and you're not going to do it now. Like, I'm paraphrasing, but that's basically what he was saying. I really don't think that Harry ever felt angry or resentful towards Draco for his part in the war. Harry more seemed, like, sad and worried for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he knew Draco was in too deep, and he just wanted to help him. I wouldn't say worried. I would say maybe Harry felt sad, but kind of indifferent to Draco in terms of what he was doing in the war. I don't think so. I think Harry was more just concerned with killing Voldemort, protecting his friends. Like, Draco wasn't a huge part on his mind. No, early- well, uh, yeah, Draco definitely wasn't his priority. Harry had shit to do in that year. (laughs) So earlier on in that book, when he's staying at 12 Grimmauld Place, Mm -hmm. he has a vision of Voldemort where Voldemort's torturing someone for information, but he's not actually doing it himself. He's making Draco cast the Cruciatus curse on that person. Right. And when Harry wakes up, he's like, oh, fuck, like, it must suck for Malfoy right now. Like, he doesn't think, you know, he's brought this upon himself or he's where he deserves to be or anything. He's just like, he's in such a bad situation. Okay. And I feel terrible for him. Right, okay. I I actually forgot about that, so. Yeah, okay. So I think he was worried about Draco. Like I said, like he's got other things going on. He's got more priorities. But I do think, yeah, Harry was never angry or resentful of Draco. And I think if Harry can show even the beginnings of forgiveness towards all the shit that horrible little boy has done, I think there's potential for where that could go in the future. Especially if Draco like pulls his fucking thumb out of his ass and stops acting like that. Hmm. Which we have evidence to suggest that he does post-series. Oh, oh, so now the Cursed Child is canon evidence for you. No, I was more referring to the uh, 19 years later. Like, the epilogue and JK's comments around that. Alright. I'm fucking not mentioning Cursed Child. (laughs) Learned my lesson when I briefly mentioned that earlier today. (laughs) Okay. Oh, also, when Harry pulled Draco out of the fiend fire and Draco held onto him so tightly it hurt, I just like that moment. I've considered getting so tightly it hurt tattooed on me. Okay, that is not gay. (laughs) Because of how much I love that. That is not gay. That is... It's subtext. That is surviving for your life. That is, like, I would cling on to someone so tightly that it hurt, even if I hated them more than anything, if I was escaping a fire. Like, (laughs) that's not gay. 
subtext, 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 subtext. <laughs> Anything's true if I chant it. No. Draco tried to use the Cruciatus Curse on Harry in Book 6. Harry responded by nearly killing Draco with the Septum Sembra Hex. Uh-huh. That's intense. Like, we've kind of glossed over that a bit, but there's some strong examples of just how much they hated each other, that they were kind of willing to kill and torture each other as 16-year-olds. <sighs> I'm kind of torn between, like, trying to defend Draco and Harry and turn that into a romantic mm. moment, which I, de- I definitely mm. could. <laughs> no. Because I'm firmly in denial. Let's not turn torture and murder into romance. <laughs> I wasn't trying to say it. Like, yeah, he cast the Cruciatus because he loves him. That's not what I was going to say. I don't really want to be making this argument, but I'm doing it, I guess. I'm more talking about how in Drarry fanfiction, especially, stories that are set, like, post-Hogwarts, post-war, years and years later, when they've, you know, grown up and matured and reunited for some reason, very, very often you get some sort of play on the scene of, you know, Draco taking off his shirt and Harry seeing the scars that are still there. And the two of them talking about that and confronting it and working through what happened. And, you know, who was in the wrong there? Both of us. Yeah. I don't think it's a romantic moment between them, but I don't think it's a deal breaker, I guess, is what I'm saying. Like, there's... You're saying there's opportunity for healing there. Yeah, but that's that's not really the argument I want to go for. What I want to say is, I guess, like, I'm never shying away from the fact that Draco's, like, a bad person who does bad things. And, you know, Harry's not perfect either. Like, he makes mistakes and he hurts people. He hurts Draco in that instance. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not trying to argue that that didn't happen. I'm just saying that I think they can grow past it. And I think that's a good, interesting story to take two people who were so hateful and so opposed and so awful to each other and then, yeah, find a way to heal from that and move on and turn it into a positive interaction. Okay, well, those are all my arguments. The only other thing that I wanted to talk about, first of all, apart from how awful they are to each other, I guess I like the interaction between them. I think they kind of make a good match in some ways, despite how opposed they are to each other. Like, I like that Draco would never get starstruck by Harry's wealth and fame, and Harry just never puts up with Draco's bullshit. Hmm. I feel like they're, like, a different sides of the coin. I like how... They complement and contrast each other in ways that create a really interesting dynamic, even if it's not necessarily romantic. Yeah, I will say that they do have some witty banter in the way that the Joker and Batman have witty banter. Like, most notably from The Cursed Child, there was a moment when they're chasing each other around the room, and Draco was like, keep up, old man, to Harry. And Harry's like, Draco, we're the same age. And Draco's like, I wear it better. And that is, even though I don't consider The Cursed Child canon, that is one of the best things I've read. Yeah. But yeah, I will say they do have witty banter. Doesn't necessarily have to mean that they're in a romantic relationship or could be in a romantic. So the only other piece of, I guess, evidence I have is that I just find it very interesting how deeply, deeply entangled their lives are ever since they're 11 years old. Hmm. Like I could go through a thousand examples of this, but just the fact that Draco was the first magical person of his own age that Harry ever met. And then seven years later, Mm. he literally defeats the Dark Lord with Draco's wand. Like, they're so Mm. intermeshed their entire lives. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't want to say soulmates, but soulmates? (laughs) Draco and Harry are soulmates! (laughs) Yeah, you've got the whole Starcross lovers, 
soulmates thing going on. I mean, it's coincidence. It's a small world in Wizarding Britain that it doesn't surprise me that their lives are enmeshed together. And it's written that way because Draco is supposed to be Harry's uh, sub-antagonist. So it goes Voldemort and then Malfoy in terms of his, his foil. Yeah, his foil. That's why they're written yeah. to be contrasting of one another. Yeah. Draco is what Harry might have been if he had let a lot of his fame and fortune go to his head, maybe had chosen to go and Slytherin and pursue his ambition and his greatness and all that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Had maybe uh, taken on the attitudes of the Dursleys instead of being yes. rejected and therefore repulsed by them. Mm, yeah. Harry could have been Dudley. Harry could have been Draco is the argument mm-hmm. there. Yeah. But he didn't. That's very important. He didn't. Because Harry chose to be different <laughs> because of who he is centrally in his core values. Going back to my argument before, opposites can attract, but only if their values are in alignment. Yeah. And I think that we see by the end of this series that Draco's values are changing. He is growing up and I think he is going to choose to be a better person. Mm-hmm. And I think he's going to choose to do that in Harry's pants. <laughs> I think Draco is going to choose to be a better person <laughs> by Harry's side, platonically, no homo. <laughs> With his hand down Harry's pants. <laughs> With his hand on Harry's shoulder, looking into the distance, <laughs> With other Ponic friends at their sides. Looking into Harry's eyes. <laughs> they glance away from each other. Gazing into his fan fiction green eyes. They stop looking at each other's eyes. Staring fixedly. I've been Jem. <laughs> and Draco and Harry are not gay for each other. <laughs> I've been Rhea. Keep calm and drarry on. Thanks for listening to Podcast Nine and Three Quarters. This show is written and edited by Rhea and Jem. You can send us an email at 9 podcast at gmail.com, find us on Tumblr at podcast9andthreequarters.tumblr.com, or talk to us separately on Twitter. Rhea is at SmashMouthRhea, and Jem is at Jem underscore just Jem. Please feel free to send theories or ask questions, and bombard us with so many messages that we go mad and run away to a hut on a rock in the sea just to avoid them. Our logo art is by Winged Corgi. Find more of her art at wingedcorgi.tumblr.com. This week's intro music was Of Love and War by Nicholas Hooper, and our outro music was Hedwig's Theme by John Williams. You'll hear from us again in two weeks' time. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com.